Good morning and welcome to Naples United Church of Christ here in Naples, Florida. We are honored by your presence and grateful to have you with us this morning. No matter where you are joining us from, we are glad to be together as God's people and united in spirit, divided by location, but divided, uh, but united in spirit. And so through the gift of technology, we are grateful that we are able to be together this morning. So if you're worshiping with us for the very first time, we are especially honored by your presence or also those who will download our audio podcast later this week. We also welcome you. There's lots going on in the life and ministry of this great church. I want to invite you back this Wednesday for our uh, midweek meditation. I will be preaching that service and Ansel Norris uh, trumpeter from the Naples Philharmonic will be providing the music. It will be a wonderful uh, just opportunity in the middle of the week to pause, to catch your breath. And so I invite you to join us on Wednesday at noon for that. And then at uh, 5 p.m., on this Wednesday, we will have our clergy roundtable, and we will be finishing the Book of Joy, which means it's time for us to um, announce that we will begin a new study on May 27th of the book, An Altar in the World by Barbara Brown Taylor. And so I hope that you will order that book or pick up that book and uh, join with us. We'll have a four-week study of that book that starts on Wednesday, May 27th for the Clergy Roundtable. So I hope that you'll make plans now to join us and to uh, join us in that book. I have some wonderful news to share about, once again, the continued generosity of this great congregation. We mailed uh, our Easter offering checks this week, and um, the first check was for $4,515 to the David Lawrence Center, which will help uh, with their mental health outreach to communities of faith. And so I'm very grateful for your generosity, for the vision of the Board of Mission and Outreach and their clergy liaison, Reverend Dr. Deb Kaiser-Cross. This is wonderful uh, work, and I think especially in these times that, uh, frankly, we did not foresee when we chose this recipient. Uh, I think this is going to be an important investment in our community. And then we mailed an additional $7,483 to the Harry Chapin Food Bank. Now, what's even more exciting about that is that we have now just crested over $30,000 in giving to the Harry Chapin Food Bank and that is being matched by a community foundation, which means that this congregation has prompted a $60,000 impact for the Harry Chapin Food Bank. And it's just remarkable to know that, uh, especially in these times, these are two of the largest Easter offerings we have received in the recent history of this church. And so I wanna say thank you uh, thank you again for your generosity. Thank you to the Board of Mission and Outreach, and thank you for all that you do to make a difference, um, especially in a time like this where uh, the need to make an impact is so important. And so we wanted to make sure that you were aware of the difference that you were making in our community. 
And then lastly, I want to invite you to a really fun event uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, again, via live stream and Facebook Live, and that will be our congregational hymn sing. It's actually our first congregational hymn sing, at least in this format. In last night's e-blast, you received words to all the hymns that will be sung uh, this afternoon, and so if you've already looked and and peeked ahead, you'll know that they are all the oldie goldies, the ones that you love to sing. And so the organ will be fired up, the piano will be going, our chamber choir is leading it, and it's going to be a wonderful time of singing. We know that that's one of the things that we miss most uh, about not being together. And so I hope that you'll uh, join us at four o'clock this afternoon. If you're not able to join us or not able to be here right at be online right at four, we will archive this, and so you can go back and watch it later this evening or sometime this week, but it will be a wonderful time of uh, remembering that one of the things we love most about this church is our remarkable music ministry, and so I hope that you'll join us for the congregational hymn sing at four o'clock this afternoon. That's all I have for us at this time, and so I want to invite you to center your hearts and your minds, for indeed we are a growing congregation as we prepare for this day of worship. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we trust, O God, that you will speak either through me or in spite of me, but that above all else we will hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. This time of year always gets me thinking about graduation. I've honestly grieved for the class of 2020. No matter if they are graduating from high school or college or even graduate school, reaching this culmination this year is not playing out as anyone expected. Chicago Theological Seminary, where I serve on the Board of Trustees, hosted an online commencement ceremony this past week. Our staff did a remarkable job of working to make it very special, but it could not compete with what I experienced in person eight years ago when I received my doctorate there. I hearken back to my high school graduation when then Governor George W. Bush was my commencement speaker. And they had to move our graduation to the largest auditorium in town 
so that they could fit as many people as possible. Where was that, you ask? At the local Baptist church. But I digress. I also think back to my senior year in high school when I was choosing where I wanted to go to college. I knew that a small liberal arts experience was just right for me. From there, the world would be my oyster. I had chosen the college that my parents had attended, put down the deposit, and eagerly waited for August to arrive. However, there was an event that spring for students who had been accepted to come to campus, spend a night in the residence halls, get to know other incoming students, perhaps find a roommate, meet professors, begin to feel a part of the campus life. I arrived and met my host student who immediately suggested that we ditch the opening meal and just go to dinner at a local restaurant with he and his girlfriend. From there, he took me back to his dorm room where I could store my bag and he and I was ready to go and meet other new students. Instead, he went to his fraternity house never to reappear the entire weekend, leaving me feeling very much alone. This special weekend also included the college welcoming the parents as well. The college had a block of rooms at a nearby hotel My dad had driven me to campus and then gone back to the hotel and was in a deep sleep, unaware of my challenges on campus, when around 2 a.m. he was awakened by the local police, who, responding to a noise complaint from the front desk, mistook my father's room for the room where the actual problem was. Needless to say, my dad did not sleep well that night either. The next morning, we found each other at breakfast, both bleary-eyed from our restless nights. We sat through the morning sessions that included a student panel, a parent panel, more festivities, and then we got in the car to make our way home. As we were driving, my dad turned to me and asked what I thought about my new college. In a fit of fatigue and frustration, I told my dad about navigating a night alone in a dorm and that if that represented my college, I did not want to go there and that I would find the money to pay back the deposit. My dad shared with me about his night as well, and then offered this wisdom. Dawson, there will be difficult people wherever you go in life. You cannot escape them. The sooner you learn to deal with them, the easier your life will become. 
First Peter is a great book to read when dealing with difficult people because it was written to persecuted Christians who were being pounced on by all kinds of difficult people. Christians had been thrown out of Jerusalem and were spread out all over Asia Minor. They were being persecuted by the Roman government because they would not claim Caesar, but rather Jesus as Lord. So the writer of 1 Peter shared how they should respond to those who were against them. The ninth verse says this, Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. That was an epic idea then, and it still is today. When those words were written, it was lawful to retaliate, to get even with someone who went against you. But it seems in our divided and vitriolic culture today, it's still perfectly acceptable. Call your enemy by a name, threaten their safety, lash out against their family, storm your state capital with guns. Perhaps today, the deepest reminder that you and I need is this. We are never more like Christ than when we love the unlovable. We mustn't forget that hurt people hurt people. Our response to difficult people either betrays our faith in Christ or reveals it. In verse 13, we read, Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? I think if we're honest, sadly, the answer is lots of people in lots of places. Take, for instance, the case of Ignaz Samuweis. Not exactly a household name, but important to our health, especially in the times we're living in. He was the Hungarian-Austrian medical doctor who realized that physicians should wash their hands. He did not know the reason But he noticed that if he went straight from performing autopsies to delivering babies, mothers became sick and died more frequently. He deduced that doctors were somehow carrying problems from sick patients to healthy ones. No one knew exactly why or how, but in places where he could convince doctors to wash their hands, before attending a patient, the mortality rate fell drastically. How was he treated for being eager to do good? 
His results were resisted and argued against. Besides, requiring doctors to wash their hands between patients would take too long. Samuelweiss refined his thinking, made experiments, offered statistics, and also started cleaning the instruments that doctors used in surgery. No one then knew about germs, so people would not accept the clear evidence of his findings. For decades, generally, the medical establishment in Europe and around the world not only dismissed his findings, but reviled him personally. So when the dark clouds of doubt and suspicion gather around us, we can respond with love or we can respond with greater doubts and suspicion. Or put even more simply, we can respond in love as Christ would have us do or we can respond in hate. It reminds me of the story of the little girl who walked to and from her school each day. Though the weather one morning was questionable and clouds were starting to form, she went ahead with her trek to elementary school. As the afternoon progressed, the winds whipped up along with thunder and lightning. The mother of the little girl felt concerned that her daughter would be frightened as she walked home from school. And she feared for the electrical storm that was forming and that it would harm her daughter. So full of concern, she got quickly into her car and drove along the route to her child's school. Eventually, she spotted the little girl walking along and saw that at each flash of lightning, the child would stop, look up at the sky, and smile. At the next flash lit up the sky, the little girl stopped, looked up at the streak of lightning, and smiled. Finally, the mother called her over to the car and asked, What are you doing? The child answered, God keeps taking pictures of me, so I'm stopping to smile for the camera. Life offers us two choices when dealing with difficult people. We can respond with anger and suspicion or we can stop and smile for God's camera. Times of pandemic and quarantine, wildfires and dire hurricane predictions make life challenging. However, we must hold on to the faith that God is never far from us. We know that as Christ suffered, God did not forsake nor abandon him. 
And in our time of suffering, we must be reminded that God did not bring us this far to forsake or abandon us. Thanks be to God for that promise. 